Hello, and welcome to Foreign Affairs Inbox, the entirely student-run and student-produced podcast of the Elliott School of International Affairs at the George Washington University. We're your producers, Taylor Galgano and Emma Anderson, two women who will soon graduate from their respective international affairs and global communications programs. But nonetheless, believe that they are the most qualified people you could ever find to present you with a cross-cutting look on the latest trending global matters. Each month, a different student host will bring you a new expert to unpack the hashtags you see in your news feeds. Inspired? Curious? Want to hear us chat about a topic you're interested in? Slide into our DMs at Elliott School GW on Twitter or Instagram. We're literally always on our phones, perusing for new content, so we will absolutely reply. Hello, all, and welcome to a very special episode of Foreign Affairs Inbox. This is Taylor and Emma here. Emma, say hello. Hello. And we're usually behind the scenes. We're your producers, as you probably know. But we're here to celebrate a very special day. It is October 11th. It is the International Day of the Girl. So we're very excited to be here. It's a very special day. We're super excited. So the first International Day of the Girl actually happened in 2012, after the UN ratified it to call attention to the specific needs of girls and promoting girls' human rights specifically. The theme of this year's IDG is Girl Force, unscripted and unstoppable, aiming to amplify a movement with, by, and for girls. Wow, I love that, Emma. I love that. Yeah, what a nice little theme for them. IDG serves as a critical reminder and celebration of the importance of empowering girls worldwide. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, we love IDG. We have to stand. And as we said, it is still fairly new. I mean, it was created in 2012. So today we are super excited to be joined by one of our favorite ever girl advocates, Asha Asha is a senior at Rutgers Honors College, a Truman Scholar, a Department of State CLS Award winner, a former girl advocate at the Working Group on Girls, and an actual member of the Beijing Plus 25 Youth Task Force. Very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> a very impressive girl. You should check out her LinkedIn. Check out her LinkedIn. It's, it's impressive. <laughs> it's crazy. She looks as though she's like 40 years old <laughs> with all of her achievements. So Asha came into our lives at the annual IDG event at the UN headquarters in New York called the Girls Speak Out in 2014. Girls Speak Out is an awesome event held every year on IDG where girls from all over the world come together to perform and speak about their experiences, goals, and needs in the Ecosoft Chamber in the UN. Asha and I were both girl advocates of the Working Group on Girls Together, so that's how we met. And through the WGG, we planned and executed the entire Girls Speak Out in 2014, so this special event for IDG. And Asha and I were actually the co-hosts of the Speak Out, which was super cool. It was very fun to do that with her. And Asha actually did attend two years in a row, so that was her second year attending. The first year, she was a performer. The second year, she was with WGG. And then we met Emma there because Emma actually attended the event that we hosted as a member of Girls Learn International, right, Emma? Small world. Yes. And Emma and I, I'm not sure, Emma, did we actually see each other at the event? We did not see each other until the following year at another UN event. Right, okay, so Emma and I actually met at the Girls Speak Out, but we didn't actually talk until we met later that year at the Commission on the Status of Women, yeah. and then we ended up going to GW together and then became friends, but that's... And now that's, we host a podcast. And now we host a podcast, but that's irrelevant. Anyway, so Asha, what was it like to be such a young girl planning and speaking at such a large-scale and known event at the UN? Did you ever imagine that you could be hosting an event at the UN as, like, a high school student? Absolutely not. Um... <laughs> It was an incredible experience and definitely not one I would have envisioned myself having as a high school student, as you said, like 15 or 16 years old. So it was definitely a super cool experience, to put it lightly, but also just deeply impactful and definitely very formative as to my interests and the path I'm now on. 
Do you remember feeling nervous or were you excited? Like, was that your first time ever at the UN, right? When you attended the speak out? Yeah, that was my first time at the UN. I think more than nervous, I was just excited and like in awe of actually being at the UN, being in the ECOSOC chamber, standing where all this history that we read about happens. So going off of that, how do you feel the United Nations Girls Speak Out event has impacted your life and empowered you to be successful later on? Girls Speak Out and my work with the UN that followed has definitely shaped my career interests, what I majored in in college, me wanting to be a lawyer and applying to law schools right now. It has shaped literally everything. I think that it's a really, really powerful event for everyone involved, whether it's the audience um, in the chamber or watching via live stream, as well as us who are speaking and hosting the event, because it really shows the power of our voices and that when we speak, people do listen, even though it doesn't always feel like that. Do you remember any specific memories that stand out to you as being super impactful while at the speak out? Yeah, there was one particular moment at the first speak out I was at that still I can remember and like see in my brain as if it were yesterday where we had just performed a particularly emotional and tough piece about rape that had been submitted by a girl, I believe, from Central Africa. And right after that particular piece, the UNICEF Deputy Director, Gita Ragupta, was scheduled to speak. But she put aside the speech that she had prepared, put down the paper, and instead she said through tears that we both broke her heart because she would have been telling those same stories when she was 16 and also gave her hope because those stories wouldn't have gotten told back then. It was really powerful and it also highlighted just how impactful our work was, both in terms of like individual impact that it obviously had on her hearing that, but also the more widespread impact on everyone else who is listening to. I don't know, Emma, if you have any specific memories that you remember, mm-hmm. but one that stood out to me, not quite as dramatic, was just that after Ash and I had hosted the event, I remember people attended it, obviously, in Ecosoc. A lot of girls through different women and girls nonprofits were able to attend, like Emma. They, like, came up and sort of talked to us after because we were sort of putting this event on and, like, because we were hosting the Speak Out. I remember a few girls came up to me. I believe they were from somewhere in the Midwest, although I don't remember a specific state, and they thanked me for, like, doing this and putting on and, like, doing the work that I do and putting this on and said they were so happy they were able to come and, like, genuinely thanked me for doing it. And I was like, you're welcome, but, like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for myself, too, as I'm also a young girl. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that's something that stood out to me as well, that I remember being, like, a very sort of important moment in my also path with the UN and work that I've done for them. I think for me, because I never performed at IDG, I only attended with my group, I think seeing the power of all these other girls' words and voices, hearing that so many other people my age were so eloquent and experienced and smart and capable, like, really inspired me. Because I think it's really easy to get stuck in a bubble when you're a young girl and feel like you're sort of the only person who's going through something. But to, like, see all these other girls around me from literally all over the world, like, places that I probably, like, at that age had never even dreamed of, sort of, and meeting them and just being like, 
you're this is like a real thing that unites us it was like a really really empowering experience and like made me feel really connected to the rest of the world asha as we mentioned in our introduction to her is part of the beijing plus 25 youth task force which is a super cool achievement she is the only american right i believe that was elected mm-hmm. to this task force sama do you want to explain a little bit what that is for our listeners sure so in 1995 At the Fourth World Conference on Women in Beijing, countries unanimously ratified the Beijing Platform, which aimed to implement gender equality and was the first countrywide agreement to specifically mention the rights of girls. With the Beijing Plus 25 Youth Task Force, Asha will lead the review of the Beijing Platform on its 25th anniversary, helping to push progress on the very first agreement in the world that acknowledged girls' rights. Is that true? Is it the first agreement that specifically acknowledged girls' rights? It was the basis for the ratification of IDG and later on the creation. of the CSW. Wow, that's super impressive. Which makes uh, Asha like the ultimate girl advocate. A queen, if you will. <laughs> a, queen. a queen girl advocate. Okay, so Asha, can you explain to us in more detail what the task force means to you and anything that you've already started to do with it? Wait, Asha, when were you elected on it? Beginning of August, so like two months ago now almost. Okay, so do you want to talk about anything you've done already with it or if we missed any specific details that you want to touch upon? Yeah, a tiny bit more detail about the composition of the task force. So as you mentioned, I'm the only one from here and the bulk of the task force is from around the world. So altogether, it's 30 youth change makers or activists from around the world, all doing super impressive and incredible work in their communities. The task force is run by UN women. So the purpose of it is essentially to have a youth perspective and voice in the review process of the Beijing platform for action now that we're at the 25th anniversary of it and really looking at what areas we still need to make progress in. Have you done anything yet with the task force and are you going to Beijing? How does it work? Yeah, so I'm not sure if we'll actually be going to Beijing. I think it's more just from the name of the document itself. Okay. But we have been doing and working on some really interesting stuff. So, we'll be hosting a bunch of large events during the Commission on the Status of Women in March surrounding the Beijing platform. And in the meantime, since obviously we're all over the place throughout the world, we're doing various engagements with local and regional UN organizations and gender equity organizations. So something really exciting that just happened a few weeks ago on September 25th, actually, I was asked to represent UN women at the UN We Day event at Barclays Center. So that was an incredible experience for me, speaking to 20,000 young people, mostly high school students. Wow. And I was speaking about UN Women's new campaign called Generation Equality. So that was a really impactful. What was the event? It's called We Day. They have events in different places, and this was the. UN We Day. That's very impressive, Asha. Congratulations. Going back on what you were talking about before, how you were talking about why the Youth Task Force was put together, and mentioned that its main goal is to bring young people into the conversation. Why do you think it's important to have young people making these decisions and being a part of the Beijing Declaration and the Platform for Action? Like people who you know might not be finished with their college educations yet, why should they be at the forefront of this? To answer that in a very broad way at first. I think that in any discussion relating to marginalized communities, it's really important to have an understanding of the intersections and the 
intersectionality within that and taking the time to hear and amplify the voices of people who lie at the intersection of not just that one level of marginalization, but multiple. And so in this case, with the Beijing Platform for Action, as young people, we not only face the issues and the marginalization that come with our gender, but also with our age and being young people. So I think that that's a really big thing when it comes to why it's important is making sure that we're really hearing all voices. And ultimately, it's people who are at multiple levels of intersection marginalization that are left behind most often. I think we totally agree with that. I think it's very clear that the needs and desires and policies that need to be implemented to directly affect girls need to have a gender focus and need to have a focus on their age. I think that's super obvious. So I think something that me and Taylor are curious about is if you think that there is a main goal of the Beijing platform that was not successfully implemented or hasn't been achieved or you feel hasn't been focused on enough. Yeah, because the Beijing 25 is to sort of respond to what was successful and what was unsuccessful over the past, what, 20 years? years, right? I was wondering, I mean, I don't know if you guys have talked about that, like, as a task force or yeah. what, but... Or if there's just something that you sort of feel like in your head, like, that is not being focused on enough. One thing that was really groundbreaking within the Beijing Platform for Action was Section L, which focused on the girl child. And so that was a major, major milestone for getting girls' rights on the human rights international map of sorts. And so while that was definitely a groundbreaking step, I think there's still so much work to be done in terms of highlighting the unique needs um, of girls, which organizations like the Working Group on Girls are doing such a great job of. And there's still so much more room for progress as well. Because again, as I said about the intersections of gender and age, those are particularly striking for girls because when we look at international initiatives, resources, and initiatives that are geared towards women, often, you know, they'll end up benefiting girls. And then if we assume that resources allocated towards children will go to girls, they often don't and actually disproportionately go to boys instead. So I think there's still a ton of work to do on that end. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that, and which I'm glad that you did because it's directly applicable to the day that it is right now. I mean, we're celebrating IDG, and obviously International Day of the Girl is a great occasion. It's great that the UN made a day to recognize this, but at the same time, it's clear that although we have IDG, there's still a lot of work to be done in actually recognizing issues that affect just girls and that are not just women. And I feel like in general, girls tend to just be grouped into the category of women and girls or women and children, sort of as you said. But in reality, they sort of need to be in their own category in order for like their needs to adequately be addressed. I think that sort of calls into question also the importance of UN holidays and like how it's very important that we're drawing attention to and celebrating and amplifying the voices of girls. But it's also like that should be a year-round activity. You know? Yeah. So it's like we need to always be having those conversations. But something I thought you were going to say is when you were talking about UN holidays is that obviously we love IBG, we're celebrating it, but does it really do anything? And is it actually effective and like successful right i mean i think there's a lot to be said for like having situations like girls speak out where there are real life girls speaking at the un like right. i think that does have tangible impact i think it's hard to not be bogged down by all the work we have to do but i think these days are really important not just for a moment of like 
work, but also for a moment of celebration, if that makes sense. What do you think, Asha? Yeah, I definitely agree. Another thing that came to mind when you were talking about the importance of UN holidays and whatnot was just how wild it was to me that the International Day of the Girl was only established in 2012. Yeah, yeah um, it's super new. Yeah. yeah, I remember when we were like working on the Girl Speak Out and everything, when we realized that, it was like, what? <laughs> really? Is this yeah. only a few years old? When we were there in 2014, we were the second or third year. Yeah, like like it was very new at that point. What would you say to a young person who wants to make a difference in feminist issues in their community, but doesn't have the reach or experience or capability to travel to the UN for Girls Speak Out? You know, like how can we make a difference in our communities? How can we advocate for girls on a daily basis? Yeah, I think that something really important to keep in mind is that literally no action is too small to make a difference. Um Anything that you do, whether it's super local and grassroots and within your own community, within your own high school, is still going to make a difference on some level and that difference still matters. So there are definitely like external resources that you can seek out and use. So for example, I know a lot of girl advocates were girl advocates through Girls Learn International or GLI. And I actually, after getting involved with the working group on girls and finding out about GLI, started a GLI chapter at my own high school to start having more of those discussions about gender and girls' issues around the world. So that's one example of an external resource that you can try to use. But even beyond that, even if there isn't a formal component, those small steps still add up. And even just engaging in conversations, you know, calling out classmates or even your friends when they're using certain terms incorrectly or saying things that they maybe shouldn't be or aren't respectful of girls and their human rights still all adds up and makes a difference. Asha also does a lot of different things that I think are very much capable of students to do. Like Asha also, I don't know if you still do this, but I know she used to write for the Odyssey. And Emma and I were actually discussing that Asha wrote when she was literally a freshman in college a whole article about how she thought that the frat culture at the school that she attends, which is Rutgers, was sort of problematic and messed up. And she did not agree with the way that their sort of frat system worked. And she wrote like a very controversial op-ed about it, I think through the Odyssey, right, Asha? Yeah, it was. And it got like a lot of comments and traction on Facebook and a lot of people fought her in the comments and disagreed with what she was saying. But even things like that are things that you can do while still being a college student and still going to class. You know, you can write blogs, as Asha was saying, you can call out people in your classes. So I think it's really interesting that you do sort of a lot of very high key things and a lot of also things that everyone can do. Right. Sort of like utilizing the resources around you to make a difference. Yeah, exactly. What you were saying with like the idea of just having conversations because that can go such a long way. And like, yeah. So like even, for example, this podcast. Yeah, this podcast. Tune in and have never heard of IDG or Girls Speak Out or might not even know of the importance of recognizing the human rights Mm -hmm. of girls. Right. As separate from women. It makes a big difference. Thank you so much, Asha. That was great. Thank you for being on our podcast. Thank you so much. It was such a great time talking to you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
Something that I had never thought about that I first heard about at the speak out when I was hearing other girls speak about it is the importance of single sex bathrooms in primary schools when girls are growing up. Because unfortunately enough, like one of the most common places for a girl to be like harmed or have violence inflicted upon her is in the bathroom when they share the same like stalls or bathroom facilities as boys. And even beyond just the act of violence, like also having a safe space when you're menstruating or something like that. Right. And having like clean water and how that is so like inherent to a girl's ability to go to school because she needs to be able to like properly clean herself when she's menstruating or else like girls who are menstruating don't go to school. Like that's a phenomenon. Right. Yeah, no, it is. So I had never thought about the importance of single sex bathrooms, which, you know, in the U.S. is not really something that like we think about. Yeah, it's natural. In fact, there's like a big movement for gender neutral bathrooms, which is obviously contextual and like it's important that we have them here. But like for girls growing up in like rural villages, like single sex bathrooms can be like a lifesaver. Right. No, that's super interesting. And I agree with you. I think it is really important to think about though that when you first started talking about it because of where my mind is, which is very American centered and focused, I was like, well, that's sort of problematic to advocate for single sex bathrooms. Mm -hmm. But what you were saying is I think it does depend on the context. So in the U.S. even, I think still that might be risky for younger girls to like, I think it's I think it might be a good idea to have um, three, you know, (laughs) like boys, girls and neutral. (laughs) And these are certain issues that, yes, like they fall under the category of women, but it's totally different for a girl going through these things and going to school Mm -hmm. with these issues that like that's what adult women do not have to deal with like they're not going to elementary school and primary school so and like Asha said because like so many resources are allocated to children so like we talk about primary school we just think about children we don't think about the way girls experience primary school separate of their boy classmates yeah as we celebrate IDG it's a super important holiday but it's also important to note that it celebrates girls and specifically singles out one gender, which I think where we are right now in the world is a sort of narrow way of defining this holiday and defining what a girl is. I think the UN sometimes struggles with kind of adapting to, I mean, obviously we have to recognize that where we are in the US, we're lucky to be able to look at it this way and be able to speak about it this way. And the UN is obviously an organization that's comprised of what, like 175 countries or something. So obviously we're coming from a very different place than a lot of the member states. But that being said, it is sort of I feel like dated. I, but I don't know how they could fix that because obviously it's so important to recognize the rights of girls. But what is a way that the UN could fix that and make it more inclusionary? I think it's important that Asha, who might actually have a say and who has a voice in the Beijing platform and rewriting this, rewriting what our future plans will look like for our world, could maybe, as being a young progressive person from the United States, mention that maybe just referring to girls as just girls is a little binary and a little dated right. for the system that we live in. Today. Today. Which just circles back to the importance of having youth voices, you know, because young right. people are the ones who are on the front lines of pushing for progressive language and pushing for inclusion. Exactly. So, you know, like the fact that we have someone like Asha who like we could reach out to and say, yo, when you go to Beijing or if she goes to Beijing or when you work on these projects. Yeah, even Not even if she goes to Beijing, she she has a say in this right. and they want to hear from her. If you work on these projects, like just like move it in one direction, you know, like speak yeah. up. It's sort of like just what she said about having conversations and like advocating for it 
even if you just like bring it up and then it sticks with one person in the room that's worthwhile anyway that being said though although these are sort of edits that the UN can make we recognize still that it is important to have the International Day of the Girl and to celebrate the rights of the girl child so we are very happy to be here and celebrating it it's a great thing and the Girl Speak Out is still going on they still have that in ECOSOC at the UN feel free to live stream it the link will be in the description of the podcast in case you can put that yes we will put the live stream link in the podcast Um, but thank you guys for tuning into this special episode we are very excited always to celebrate IDG it is where Em and I first well didn't meet but we're in the same room at the same time although we met at the Commission on the Status of Women another feminist event another feminist event a little bit later in the year but yeah thank you guys for tuning in and we are your producers but we will obviously occasionally host right we'll be back on the mic eventually you'll hear from us again this won't be the last of us thank you all happy International Day of the Girl like what you've heard don't forget to follow us on Spotify subscribe on Apple Podcasts and most importantly link your friends I'm Emma Anderson and I'm Taylor Galgano and thank you for tuning in to this month's episode <laughs>